0: A vision without an execution is hallucination. We had a vision, but we, for us to execute it properly, we engaged the extended leadership and made them a part of this vision. And that's when we created the execution model, and that's why we are successful after a couple of years.
1: Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with Uncruise. Now, we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people, and frankly, it just wasn't for us, but this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails, and we received incredibly personalized service, guides who get you off the beaten path in gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no line. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked Uncruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleeds.com slash cruise Hey there, lead the team nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today I have for you Vibhav Srivastava, who is the president over at Nova Solutions. He's an accomplished leader with two decades of experience working in the IT services industry and currently heading a, a diverse portfolio that includes healthcare, insurance, life sciences, and government sector strategic business units with over 275 clients again, over, all over at innova Solutions. He was actually awarded the Executive of the Year 2023 Award at the 11th Annual 2023 Globie Awards for his exceptional leadership and management skills. He was also a winner of the prestigious Indian Achievers Award in 2023 for his outstanding professional achievements and contribution towards national building. Founded all the way back in 1998, which happens to be the year that I graduated from college and headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, out in the Duluth area. Nova Solutions, along with its subsidiaries, employs over fifty thousand professionals worldwide, and reports an annual revenue approaching three billion with a B. Vibab, welcome to the team, sir. Thank you, Ben. My pleasure to be here. So let's dive in. let's you know there's a lot in your background that you want to unpack here, but let's start. With one of the biggies here, what's the big transformation that you've been leading that certainly generated a lot of waves, including getting that great executive executive of the year award?
0: Uh, absolutely. I have been privileged uh, to be part of this journey for Innova Solutions. Uh, Innova Solutions, as you know, it's a $3 billion, 50,000 people organization. However, over the last four years, we have been onto a transformation journey of verticalizing our organization.
1: What does verticalizing mean? Yeah,
0: so absolutely. So the the platform of Innova Solutions was built with the fact that we acquired capabilities and we build capabilities. Now, these individual capabilities were focused from a technology standpoint. Okay. However, with the growing need of segmentation, specializations, we decided to go to market specifically for a business segment. So that's where we created a strategy of having verticals of healthcare, verticals of life sciences, so banking, and we transformed the entire organization. So you can imagine a behemoth of a $3 billion, 50,000 people, strong capabilities, and how we brought them together to actually align to the go-to market for our customers. Mm -hmm. What it did for us was we were able to kind of talk to our customers the language they wanted to know. We were able to bring the problem-solving skills to their problems, and we were able to relate very well. I was privileged to be part of this journey for Innova Solutions for the last two years and help do this and create an ecosystem that's working very well for our customers, plus very well for our
1: teams. Yeah, I want to highlight that for listeners and this is happening across a lot of organizations, right, across all different, you know, types of, of, of industries, in that you you probably created your company, right, over Anova around this strong technology, being really proficient at that. But then at some point, you're like, wait a minute, our growth is going to come from positioning what we do more aligned with specific industries to the customer's way Absolutely of doing wrong. things versus, hey, we have a great technology. You need to do what we do, a.k.a. Absolutely. Apple. That's kind of like the Apple versus the Microsoft. Nothing wrong exactly. with Apple. Yeah, Nothing wrong with Apple. Okay, Apple lovers out there. Nothing wrong with Apple. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they are like, hey, we are Apple. You come to us. You get into our world, and we're going to take care of you. Whereas the flip side, this is just my feeling, uh, uh, opinion about it. Microsoft's always looking to adjust to the business. And it presents its own type of problems when you do something like that. But I'm curious, from your standpoint, what was the greatest challenge? Because I, I you know, for you in that, because I can think about a hundred different problems that could arise when you take when you flip the business on its head like that.
0: Absolutely, no. There were many um, challenges that we faced through this, but the most important thing was. There's always a defined way of working, right? When um, and, and Innova has been a 25-year-old long, or any organization that has been in the business for long. We do it this way. The biggest challenge was how to change that mindset and say, hey, the way you do is great, but if you can add additional A, B, and C capabilities to your way of working, it's going to transform mm-hmm. the results that you're going to get. That was the number one challenge. And how we solved for that challenge was we associated the organization with the vision that we were going towards. The yeah. moment people saw the goal, the vision, and the outcome, three years down the line in that journey, people immediately got line. And that whole concept of this is the way I do it changed. People were open towards newer ideas. People were open towards changes. People were receptive with these ideas. And fast forward we are one of the leading organizations
1: today in the industry. Loving it. Let's talk about that vision. So visions, this is my perspective here, and I want to get your take on it is, I mean, that's the first step of leadership, right? If you're not, you don't have a vision, you're just managing people. You're not really leading them. You have a vision to lead them towards. Now, how long did you spend working on this vision? How long did it take? That's the first thing. Oh, I'm curious. What was your process for, for developing this?
0: So the vision was, I would say, it, the whole concept of moving the organization in this, it was at least 12 months journey. We deliberated okay. various models. We talked to various industry experts before we actually decided on going on to this journey. It was not an easy choice. There were various alternate options. We were doing exceptionally well. We were growing multi percentages in the previous years in the current model we had. so now we had to kind of look at it pros and cons to decide that it took us at least good solid year evaluating all the options all right. before we ended up deciding this and moving towards this
1: journey so you were like you're using some external inspiration you were you had what the leadership or the executive committee or leadership group was working on it together absolutely i mean what as much as you can share. Uh, the nitty gritty details, uh, how often did you discuss it and meet Did you have like a recurring like, hey, every Monday in the next 12 months, we're gonna talk about our vision or uh, how did you go about that?
0: So to be honest, the initial, uh, that period of six months when we were doing this, we were literally talking on an everyday basis because this is how about we're transforming the organization and we can't shortchange a decision like that. So we were literally talking on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. With regular cadences, with regular governance put across towards it, and what we did is we also ex- engaged our extended leadership teams so that they can provide their perspectives. Because in the end, it's a joint thing. We often say this, and and we believe in this: is a vision without an execution is hallucination. <laughs> so we 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 wanted the nice. people, we had a vision. But we, for us to execute it properly, we engaged the extended leadership and brought them, made them a part of this vision, and that's when we created the execution model, and that's why we are successful after a couple of years. All
1: right. So you you get together, you're working twelve months, you're getting people's input on this. Did you boil a vision down to like one sentence, a paragraph, uh, or like a picture? I mean, what what was it? So I think the overall
0: vision of the organization. Uh, or the platform that we built right we were building over the last 25 years that remains very clearly in the same mix right it's how mm-hmm. our it's it's basically how do we deliver outcomes for our customers right so that stayed there however the whole organization and how the organization's way of working would be we actually mm-hmm. laid out very clearly in yeah. in various presentations because when people see things they are able to relate to it better Rather than telling them something up in the air. So we did that and we had those created the to be state of our organizations. Mm-hmm. And we we
1: we engaged our teams, showed them this view, etc. What was the biggest challenge you faced once you developed the vision and you were gonna start on the execution phase of this thing?
0: I would say the biggest challenge we faced was. There are, as you can imagine, there are various moving parts within the organization. Like in my entire organization of healthcare, insurance, life sciences, public sector, there are various moving parts. There are customers, the customers' needs, customers' priorities, the expectations of the customers. When we started executing, we realized that change management is the number one thing. And that change management was driven effectively in our organization whether it is with our customers, whether it is with our people, or whether it is with our partners. Hmm. That change management turned out, had we not done it, it would have been a very different result for us. So So the biggest challenge was that.
1: So the challenge was change management. For a listener, you know, listeners maybe add a little color to that. Like when you say change management, it could be a lot of different things. What was it to you?
0: So, change management is most important thing were two things within the change management. One was stakeholder management, which is our customers, et cetera, right? To give them a perspective of how they're going to get benefited from this. So, imagine an example. They're working for a firm for 20 years, 23 years, and we're delivering great for our customers. Now, we do this, and this is going to enable or, or put our capabilities on steroids. Now, mm. what's the benefit that our customers will drive out of it? That stakeholder management is very important because if you do not give them the value add that they are getting for them, it's a noise in the system for themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was the first piece of it in the chain management. And the second is how do you like that was external statement. The second thing was how do you manage the communication with your people on ground? What's the benefit of this with the people on ground? For example, if anybody got associated to a healthcare segment and they had experience in healthcare, now we created a community and a culture where they can enhance their skills and specialize into the domain, which is of their choice. That communication was very, very important in order to get the on-ground teams to kind of get aligned to the vision. So yeah. from a change management, those two, I would say, would be the primary. Are,
1: yeah, so there's a really good color for us on that. So employees... So people say, oh, yeah, I got to, you know, we're changing your company. got to notify our customers. And the risk is we don't want to lose customers. We're doing this to gain customers. And some yes. customers don't like change. you yeah. are not going to like the fact that now I've got to deal with this person where I used to deal with this person. So managing that. But then you hit on something that I think every leader needs to think about when they're doing any kind of change is, hey, y'all, you've got to manage your employees through it. Even if Absolutely. it's a front-end realignment, like you get it, like, Technically, you know, you were reorganizing how you went to market, but it affected the employees. And so I like what you said there, ViBab, about, hey, making sure that your employees and your teams understand the benefit to them. The times, They're just looking at, you know what, ViBab's coming through with his little change management, and it's just going to give us more work. Yeah, like, exactly. Are we, are we, Let's do a change management project so we can give more work to our employees, right? Absolutely. That's not the intent, probably.
0: <laughs> That's not, I, I, in fact, i that processing point, it. No, you're right, you're right. On that point, Ben, like, I still remember a day I was in one of our offices up uh, in Minneapolis and I had my leadership team for one segment in the room. And we were deliberating and questioning. And then we create a very simple diagram of how we want to change our ecosystem or drive growth in our ecosystem. And the level of details the team got involved in creating that vision made my change management easy because they could see the end result, they could see the value it can, and they were literally nodding their head saying that, okay, this is what we were missing, we're gonna do this. So the moment they understood the benefit of this, they immediately got aligned to it. And today that segment is doing one of the best for me.
1: Well, Well done on that. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts that have Netflix accounts and one third of the US population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20 minute call with my team at benleads.com schedule that's benleads.com slash schedule. So let's put a bow on this part of the interview because I want to dig into your your background a little bit more. But all in all, you know, you you decide, hey, we have to declare a new vision for our company. You, you went through all the change management and then got things going on the execution front. What's been the results?
0: The results has been amazing. Uh, the clients are seeing the benefit of it right away. Uh, if you go and look at uh, the various social media for our organizations or the recognitions from the analysts, we are ranked as uh, some of the leaders in some of these areas. Like if you go to healthcare, for example, and I'm just taking one example. It's across company wide, but let's say uh, take an example. We are recognized by all the analysts as one of the primary players in the ecosystem. So that's another example. Our we are we are winning. Our customers are having more trust on us, and we are winning multi year multi uh, million dollar engagements with our customers because of that trust enhancing further so the result has been great and our people are getting more opportunities to grow and learn because of these newer opportunities so now yep. this plethora of new opportunities where everybody is talking about recession we are talking about doing some solid transformational programs for our customers and in the process giving the opportunities uh-huh. to our people on Sir-
1: So you're taking your playbook on how you guys changed and you're sharing it with your customers and helping them with through that. Is that what I heard? Yes. Yes. Uh Nice. You know what? There's a deep integrity in that. You're like, hey, we did this. Yes. And hey, we did it. This is how we did it. It worked for us and we can help you. Absolutely.
0: See, imagine we had almost in that period and not the exact number, but almost 10 plus acquisitions in the last few years. So now we know merger and acquisition at the back of our hands. And we're taking this to our customers and saying, guys, you are you just acquired this. So there's a health plan. We just acquired another health plan and is one of our customers. And we are able to tell them, guys, this is the problem you've got to face because I faced it myself. Let me help you solve this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I, just planning that C with the listeners too. I mean, a lot of companies that, hey, we're going to consult with you on X, Y, and Z. We're going to be helpful to you. But when you work with a company who's actually gone through it themselves, <laughs> it's such a deeper, deeper experience. We do the Absolutely. same thing with our company, right? We have a podcast, we have a very profitable podcast, and we work with companies to design that for them, increase their sales. But a lot of it's the kind of stuff that we're doing ourselves. There are a lot of companies in the podcast world that are just sort of talking about that or they're advertising it. But, you know, it's shocking to me the number of companies that are talking about helping people with podcasts, but they don't have a podcast themselves. It's it's like, where is this? And so, and sometimes it can still work out, but it's just imagine, I I really like that approach of, hey, we figured this out and now we're helping others with it. Now, I I don't, I I mean, you and I can keep riffing on that, but I wanted to get into your, background, kind of behind the executive a little bit. What was your first job, and how does it influence your leadership today, Baimav?
0: So, it's a very interesting story. I did my engineering, and I did my engineering in electronics. So, and this was um, obviously 20-plus years ago. At that time, computer science was shiny engineering discipline, and only specific Students were doing it, right? So I'm like, okay, fine. Then I went through my campus interview. I got selected in my first company through campus interview. And they let electronics engineering guys join. It's an IT services big behemoth. Very thankful to that organization for giving me my first opportunity. But then I realized after I got the offer and my exams were getting over, that I don't know how to turn on a computer. And my job was a software engineer.
1: We skipped that step in school. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? But then we went in, we went to the trainings. I did some extra trainings on my side. I put some effort. And I was able to kind of get together and then learn in the process on the job as well and do really well for the company. But there was a learning in that, Ben, that I took for my entire career. Saying that. However tough your obstacle is, if you make a start, you're going to cross that obstacle. And that's exactly what happened. And that built my two principles in my career. One, compound effect. And the second is never say no. Never never say die. Because if I would have said that at the start, I would have not been successful. I would have probably been doing something in the electronics world. I would not have been sitting here 25 years later. And the second thing is, uh, if there is an obstacle, start, and you're gonna figure it out.
1: Wow! Uh-huh. Yeah, great advice. And yeah, you could have gotten so frustrated. And starting is frustrating. Yes. Hell, not be able to turn the computer on. That that is frustrating. Like, these <laughs> newfangled devices, you can't even turn them on. Yeah, and you could have been there. Like I'm going, I'm going back to my boards of whatever, my electric. Yeah. It's my uh, circuit boards. And they're like, no, I'm going to stick with this. And it's such a simple example, but it's powerful in terms of an inspirational side. We're like, you know, keep going. And there's usually something big on the other side of it. Even it's just simply the learning. Now, we were talking about before we got on here, the importance of retaining key people on your team and you know, our group, we we do a lot around the reducing the catastrophic cost of turnover. Is the catastrophic cost of turnover is this something that you think organizations and leaders should be uh keeping an eye on?
0: Absolutely. See, I I believe we are an outcome of our environment. And our environment is driven by the teams that we have. We are as good as our teams. So my my thinking is today, organizations have to keep more of an eye on that is because When an employee has been with you for some time, they learn your ways of working. They've been part of your vision. They've been part of your journey. Mm -hmm. If you do not give them the right opportunities, they will go anywhere. The loss is yours. And there is obviously a direct cost to it, but there is a lot of indirect cost in terms of your customers, your knowledge, everything. So why not focus on make sure we create an environment where we train them so very well but we treat them so very well, they don't leave us. Right. So to me, I think we are as good as our teams. And if we can't take care of our team, we will never be successful. And that's one thing I followed as a principle in my career. And people have been with me, i have been privileged. They've chosen to be working with me for the last many, many, many 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. And I have the confidence. I have a problem. I know this guy has done it for like 10 times for me. I don't have to worry about it. I just throw the problem at them and they solve it.
1: Yeah, so good. When you make it a priority as a leader, good things usually happen. Now, on the flip side, without including names, what's your most colorful story of when someone quit or was fired?
0: It's actually related. These are all learnings. I think God does things uh, for a reason so that you can do your learnings in the process. So there was this one individual. He was... mm, Two levels of it. and I, it was very early in my career, um, initial years of my experience. And then, uh, so this guy was making all the decisions on its own. And I think he had probably a mindset that he will, by creating dependency, he'll be doing justice to himself and the company. Mm-hmm. So he was of that mindset. Fine. The company didn't see that coming. He was doing all the things, all the decision making. And then suddenly, probably good for him, he got an opportunity and moved out. But now the company was in a spot of bother. He was doing all the decision-making. His teams lacked the vision. His teams lacked to know where they are going. And suddenly, they were like a deer in a headlight. And the leadership were depending on him to take all these decisions. And suddenly, there is nobody there fine, you figure Mm -hmm. out these are challenges, we figure out nobody is indispensable. But that made me learn on that day. Saying that, Mm -hmm. what if I wake up every day and I create a plan to displace myself? And what if I create a culture in my leadership that when they wake up every day they create a plan to displace themselves? The moment we started doing that
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Sorry, just just to finish it up, the moment we started doing that, we made decision-making as a part of the team. We made sure the vision is known. The team is aware of what's happening all across in their areas. And then suddenly these dependencies started going away. And we were a more healthier organization as opposed to the previous model.
1: That's a lot of lessons in there. Number one, leaders, your legacy is with Vibab. I just want to point that that that's legacy from for what Vibab's talking about. It's you leave the organization. You might know, be thinking, well, if I leave the organization, I don't really care what happens after that. But y'all, that's your legacy. Yes. And so by building up the team and creating an environment that helps them grow, when you do leave, they're there. Your legacy is not. I mean, only a sliver is from funding a building at, at a university. <laughs> your name on it, yes, right. The real legacy is through other people, and Absolutely. so when you look at that perspective, it really makes your job more meaningful. It makes delegation and development much more meaningful. And the flip side is, if you're a you know a, a top level leader like Viba was president, and you've got someone in your team who is not delegating and not developing the other people. You've got a bigger risk. Absolutely. A big risk. Because I loved your example because you're like, yeah, I saw it firsthand. Someone didn't develop their people, didn't delegate, didn't kept all the decision making to themselves, and they left. And the organization had such a steep learning curve. Now it was it sounds like you climbed the learning curve as an organization, yeah. but it was probably very costly and yes. painful to do it. And
0: it's dependent on people heroics then at that point.
1: Yeah, they lose people. So a great, great example there. So starting to starting to wind this up here, when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road?
0: So I would say, and this is my message to every budding uh, executives, managers who want to really get into the leadership positions, never say no to opportunity that, uh, knocks on your door, so I I was sales PNL uh, very focused in my initial years of my career, and then there was this um, in my previous organization there was this delivery center we had in the U.S. Mm-hmm. which was negative operating margins and we were losing money in that. I was a sales guy. I loved being in front of the customers, loved problem problem solving, and then my leadership came to me and said, of can you help solve this? so when that twist came in into my journey of doing delivery management along with my sales had there mm-hmm. were many many people who said don't do it why well, you'll get typecasted as delivery you'll get typecasted as sales you'll not have specialization and i said in the end what matters is the outcome that the company expects out of me whether it is delivery or sales i don't care so i picked up that opportunity i converted that negative operating margin uh, center to a positive operating margin center in three quarters. It was not complex, just basics three quarters. What it gave me was, it gave me a learning of running an end-to-end organization. Mm. And that experience, I cannot gain for with, uh, through books or through sitting on the sides. And that gave me a learning that life throws twists uh, twist at you Life gives you opportunities which you don't want to take. Don't say no. Take the opportunity, solve for it. In the end, you're learning something from it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you could have just stayed in your sales channel, your your, your sales role, continue to do well, and just been that been that salesperson. And uh this is a theme, you know. We see in these interviews where people have success in their job and their role and they take a chance and you took yes. a chance to move outside of that you it might not have gone that well but even I and I suspect if it didn't go as well as it did it still might have been a critical learning for your career absolutely. as a president right you're in charge of everything multiple functions absolutely and it's, it's a, it can be career limiting if you're just the salesperson. Now, yeah. the flip side is I think it's okay if you said, look, I love sales. I want to be sales. I want to be maybe a chief revenue officer or just like vice president of sales. Did you know yeah. at that age in your career, did you have your, your site set on the C-suite already or you just had a hunger for learning something new?
0: No, I, I didn't had any defined plan per se. I knew where where I'm good at it, but the most important thing was I wanted to learn in the process. I wanted to learn everything that comes my way because learning never goes waste. Learning never goes waste.
1: All right. We gotta stop there. Learning never goes to waste. Considering your career, I mean it goes back to the the risk of you know declaring a bigger vision for your company and what could be. It was a risk. Uh, but the learning your organization has gone through. Obviously worked. but I love the fact that the learning never goes to waste because then you take that learning, you've packaged it, and now you're helping your customers with it. Absolutely. So, well, well done, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Bye, Bev. Uh, You're very
0: welcome. It was a pleasure. Good to meet you and good to be part of this journey.
1: Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to binleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit.